Hello and welcome to the Between the Mics podcast. I am one half of your hosts, Ty Ferguson. I'm the other half, Austin Smith. And we will be coming to you periodically to talk about all of our biased opinions when it comes to all things University of Georgia football and occasionally other topics around the SEC. So when you really look at uh, the University of Georgia team's season this year, um, another solid year, 12-2, and two, SEC's champs, Sugar Bowl champs. Um, I mean, when you look at those re- that record and you stack it up to other teams around the country, I mean, a 12-2 and two season, a New Year's Six Bowl win, those are really solid standards to be set. Um, but at, at UGA, um, with being, I mean, the standard is winning a national championship at this point. Um, anything short of that, anything short of the SEC championship, um, it's just not going to be acceptable in a lot of fans' eyes. And um, unfortunately, that's the case. But also, that's that's a good thing because you want your program to be looked at in that high of a standard. Um, but when you really look back at the season this year, um, the thing that sticks out the most, other than the beatdown against LSU in the title game, which a lot of people didn't really give us a shot to win other than Georgia fans. Um, it was that loss to South Carolina. I mean, when it all comes down to it, um, finishing at fifth in the rankings, the loss against South Carolina is ultimately probably what cost us a chance at another playoff berth and a chance to play for another national championship to have the chance to live up to the standards that we set. So, Yeah, and I would say, like you said, a solid season at this point uh, is a disappointment. In Kirby's fourth year, he has set the standard that we need to be contending for national championships. And at no point during the season, even I would say by week three, it was apparent that that wasn't our team. A lot of us Georgia fans were saying otherwise, but if you look at the media landscape, there was no one else that were saying that. They were saying that something was off from the very get-go. And, you know, what's Kirby saying? Uh expectations uh, are a reflection of potential. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why this is the biggest disappointment because you look on the offensive side of the ball, you see one of the best returning quarterbacks in the whole entire uh, country coming back. You see a five-star running back, or I can't remember if DeAndre was a four or five. Mm-hmm. He was kind of borderline, yeah. wasn't he, on yeah. two? And uh, he's projected to go first round probably in like the – like mid first round, yeah. You've got these talented wide receivers coming in. You've got the probably the best offensive line in the country, and that was the side of the ball that we struggled so much in. And I think that was just the biggest disappointment. It'd been one thing if we didn't have the talent on the side of the ball, yeah. but with all that talent, uh, it's very frustrating to see the play calling and the ineptitude, oftentimes on that side of the ball. And like you said, the South Carolina game was a big disappointment, but. I would say a lot of the games this year were disappointing. The Kentucky game, it was in a monsoon, but you would have still liked to have seen a variance in the type of runs that we were having in that game. I understand the passing the ball is tough in that sort of atmosphere, but when you're running the ball, it doesn't always have to be at the A-gap. There uh, there are other places to run on the part of the field. The A&M game, the second half was frustrating. Yeah. Uh, the Auburn game, I would say, was the one, as a Georgia fan, that I was most – uh, I was most pleased in. Yeah, uh, I felt like that and the Florida game were our uh, were the best we looked all season. I agree, uh, and I mean you definitely hit the nail on the head right there. I mean 
the struggles and what probably ultimately kept Georgia, or not ultimately, definitely kept Georgia from living up to its full potential this year is the offense. Um, you have to wonder at at this day and age in college football if we're really truly running uh, a good enough scheme to for us to win the big one. I mean, it's we're gone are the days where you can line up in the I formation and just pound teams and expect to. to three yards here, four yards here, and have seven-minute time of possession drives each and every game and score touchdowns because, I mean, you're playing these teams that have just such high-explosive offenses that score so fast. I mean, yeah, even if you are a truly efficient offense, which is what Georgia aimed to be but ultimately really wasn't this year, even if you are an efficient offense, I mean, if teams are scoring in three plays and you're going right back out there and, you have drives where you can't put anything together or you have games where you have extended periods where you can't put drives together, then you're really going to struggle no matter how good of a team or how your expectations are. So, I mean, the offensive line, I mean, coming into the year, it was really looked at being one of the best, which, I mean, it was. I mean, when you look at certain points, I mean, you really expected them to impose their will on teams. The brute strength, the high rankings of all the recruiting rankings, which I know, like, once you get on campus, recruiting rankings don't matter, but they matter to an extent. I mean, they were ranked so high because... They matter. There's yeah. a high correlation between being a highly uh, ranked player and your on-the-field success and your likelihood to go into the NFL. Yeah. Like, they've shown that. Like, Florida yeah. fans can say that recruiting... Rankings don't count, and so can Tennessee fans. But at the end of the day, that seems like that correlates the most yeah. to on-the-field success. But, I mean, even, I mean, touching on the offensive line, but when it really comes down to it, where Georgia really lacked this year is at wide receiver. I mean, all year long, we looked for a true threat. Um, at one point, we thought it was going to be Lawrence Cager, um, but obviously he battled injuries uh, later on in the year, George Pickens really came on strong. Um, had a big game against um, Florida, and I think, or I know he had a huge game against Baylor. Um, so he really came on strong and is a big point of optimism going into next year. But when you really look at it, where is he going to get the help? I mean, Tyler Simmons, come on. I mean, he's he's fast. He's a, he's a great blocker. I mean, if that's what we want to use him for. But when you aren't scaring a defense vertically and you all you're out there for and they know it is you blocking, uh, it leads to a lot of double coverage for everybody else and holds the offensive down. And it makes a predictable offense even more predictable when they know that this guy's typically only out here for blocking purposes. Yeah. So now they're queued in and they probably know it's a run. And I've told you before, I think it's crazy to have a guy out there because playing against other guys who are more talented vertically because of how good he is at blocking when we don't run to the outside. And if we're not running to the outside, why does he have to be why does our wide receivers have to be so great at blocking? If we were running up those first two gaps, then it'll be a good five or six yards before that cornerback on his side gets to tackle. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre or uh, Zeus or who, whomever. Uh, one thing I really look at going into next year is we have to improve the receiving core. I mean, we've done so, I feel like, a little bit with recruiting. And we had some guys on campus who 
could prove, prove to be contributors next year. I mean, you have guys like Karis Jackson. Um, you got guys like Don Blaylock. Don Blaylock is one I really look at to have, hopefully having a big year next year. Um, Going to be a sophomore year. He came. He started coming on strong down the stretch. Was poised to have a big game against LSU before he ultimately tore his ACL. So he's one I'm really looking at if he can bounce back from the ACL injury. Um, being a big being a big player for us next year to hopefully help us open up the game, passing game a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree. I think uh, I think Demetrius. I'm hoping that he'll see the field a lot more. Yeah, one can only hope. It's disappointing how little he's been able to see the field considering his reputation before Georgia. Uh, and you've heard that his blocking uh, is kind of what's kept him off. But maybe with a different scheme and a different philosophy this year, he might be able to see the field a little bit more. And I think that'll be great because uh, he was an All-American before he got here. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll really be able to take our offense to the next level vertically because of just how, how fast he is. And I think Rosimi coming in, Burton coming in, I really do think those guys are going to get a good bit of playing time. I don't know if they'll challenge for a starting job or not, yeah. but they're they're going to be on the field. Yeah, definitely rotational pieces, and I mean, if who knows if they contribute? I mean, I don't think any spot is safe on the field. I mean, Kirby can say that all spots are open, but we know George Pickens is going to be out there. I mean, the two, the dude's too good to not be out there. So I mean, Demetrius and the other guys' spots can be open, but yeah, and I mean. James Cook, we might be seeing him line up in the slot sometimes, I'm sure. Uh, We saw that sprinkled in every now and then in the Mm -hmm. past. I'm hoping uh, with the talent that we have coming in at tight end that uh, we're going to start using the tight ends uh, like the way Georgia offense is used to. Uh, Darnell is just a complete matchup problem. And then with the grad transfer coming in, I really think we can use a lot of two tight end sets uh, to take advantage of their mismatches because both are just – Two fast guys uh, who are matchup problems for linebackers because of their speed, but too big for safeties. And I really think that'll uh, just help the rest of the offense. Yeah, I agree. Um, when you look at the departures that we're going to have this year, I mean, obviously you touched on it. Swift is going to be a top 15 pick. Um, losing our two starting tackles, Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is going to go top 10. Um and then one that kind of shocked me is Jake Fromm leaving. Um, I know when you look at uh, the draft rankings with Kuyper and McShay, both of them still have him as a top five quarterback. But ultimately, as a, I mean, as a Georgia fan, and he didn't really show a whole lot this year for me to believe that he's a top five quarterback and that he's going to go first round. Or, which I mean, a lot of that maybe could be contributed to the. Uh, losses at receiver that he had last year i mean losing guys like riley ridley isaac nana jj holloman um and ultimately also michael hardman who's going to be playing for a super bowl in two weeks is and is a big contributor for the kansas city chiefs number one offense and so i mean when you look at guys like that leaving of course jake Fromm is going to have some regression but as a third-year starter, Jake Fromm coming in as one of the best returning quarterbacks in the NCAA this past season, you expect him to be good enough to raise the level of production with wide receivers, and that isn't something that happened this year. So Exactly, and I think that a lot of people have said that Coley's move to offensive coordinator hurt Jake because of how much time he was previously able to dedicate solely to Jake and Jake's development. 
So that might have been a reason for regression too, because there was people pointing out that his footwork had gotten worse. Uh, I think one of the draft analysts had touched on that. What do you? How do you think he's going to do in the NFL? Do you think he's ultimately going to be? Uh, I don't think he's going to be a year one starter, but do you think he's going to be an eventual starter in the NFL? No, I definitely agree with you. I don't think he's a year one starter, and I don't think there's any situation in the NFL that could lead him into being an NFL starter. I do think he has a very high football IQ. I think he knows where to go with the ball and knows when to... I think he knows his own abilities. I think he, watching in the last three years, he knows what he is and is not capable of. So I feel like if put into the right situation with the right team, that eventually he could be a, a, a draft and stash type guy. Um, yeah. Day two quarterback probably and maybe two years down the road on a a team with a veteran quarterback who's aging, um, just just off the top of my head. I mean, thinking of possibilities. Obviously, you have uh, Philip Rivers in Los Angeles for the Chargers. He's on his last legs. Um, I mean, you really look at Tom Brady for the Patriots. I Drew mean, Brees. Drew Brees for course, the Saints. I mean, that's probably going to be Hill at this yeah, point. But. I mean, but you look at those those quarterbacks with with those types of systems, guys that are getting up there and they're getting up there in age. Teams are going to need to be looking into the future um, who might not be ready to essentially spend a first-round pick on a quarterback. But when you have a guy like Jake Fromm that you could spend a a second-round pick or a third-round pick and eventually down the road be a productive starting quarterback in the NFL, um, I think that's something that I could see a team's taking a shot on him this year. I mean, I don't see him as a future NFL MVP, but put into the right situation, I think he could be a productive NFL guy. Yeah, and who knows – I've said this before, but I, I never really feel like Georgia utilized uh, Jake correctly. Yeah. I feel like with the type of quarterback he is being so cere- cerebral and not necessarily having the most arm talent, mm-hmm. I really think we should have deployed him in a quicker offense uh, with quicker reads, taking adva- advantage of his X's and O's knowledge. Because every single time I feel like we saw him in a late-game situation or in a two-minute warning before the half, I feel like we just went right down the field, and mm-hmm. it was just like him directing everything, making the right reads, and making them quick. I think it was two years ago at Florida. Uh, yeah, we just went right down the field in that first half at the end, just pass after pass to Nada, and there was just countless examples of that. And maybe an NFL team might realize that and take advantage because he he definitely isn't in the top tier when it comes to arm strength. Yeah, but I do feel like. In the NFL, if you have that like cerebral aspect to your game, that you're always going to have a place. The first person that comes to my mind is Alex Smith. I feel like he's just of that exact same mold. You hear how great of a leader Alex Smith was. Mm-hmm. And you hear about how smart he was. I really think that Jake Fromm might end up having a similar career. I know Alex Smith was a, the number one overall pick, but he didn't necessarily play like the number one overall pick in the NFL. Yeah. He, he played more like a guy who was uh, a backup who was a, a great a great starter, but never an elite starter, uh, and he dwindled into a good backup role later in his career. Yeah. So, I mean, just using Jake Fromm as a segue into the next topic, um, when you look at the 2020-21 team, the first thing that stands out is – Who's going to be your quarterback? And I think we already kind of know the answer to that question when you look at the roster. Um, and you look at Jamie Newman, the uh, grad transfer 
from Wake Forest. Um, just looking at a couple stats right here off the top. Uh, 26 touchdowns, uh, 2,800 yards. Uh, he threw 11 interceptions, but uh, though that's gonna be, that can be coachable. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched his entire highlight tape. I didn't watch any Wake Forest games from start to finish last year. So obviously I don't know the exact situation he was in. But when the thing that stands out the most is 600 rushing yards, 7 rushing touchdowns. That is something that Georgia football has not had since 2005 when we had DJ Shockley when you could have any quarterback at Georgia and be a threat to run with his legs. So that's the thing I'm the most excited about when you look at Jamie Newman. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a huge get, not only because of what it can bring to our offense, but also what it can avoid with the departures uh, at tackle and then with Cade Mays leaving. I really do think that it's – I know we still have a lot of talent at those positions, but they haven't necessarily had the most playing time together as a, as a combo. I feel like Isaiah Wilson and Andrew Thomas were almost always on the field. So their departure is probably going to be somewhat tough in the beginning, and I think his ability to evade rushers is going to be a big deal. I also do think he has elite arm talent. I think uh, watching his highlights, his long ball just seems – to, that seems like he's most accurate throwing deep. Yeah. It seems like his intermediate throws is when he seems to somewhat struggle. Yeah. Which I think he, I think just looking at the, I think he had the third highest completion rate in tight window throws last year. So I mean that's I mean that's something you really you really want. So I mean if you can throw in the tight windows, coverage in the SEC is phenomenal. So I mean you're going to have a lot of tight window throws. Not everybody's everybody's going to be wide open. So having a quarterback that can put it in the right spots and be accurate with the ball is essential. Yeah, and he's going to have a he's going to have a great target in Pickens uh, yeah. to throw those deep balls to. Yeah, uh, that could be end up being a really great connection, and yeah. I think it's going to be huge having this new offensive coordinator coming in and mocking. Definitely, uh, probably going to see a huge philosophy change, like you were saying earlier. Going are the days where you can get by just being a manageable offensive team with an elite defense. Yeah. We saw it this year in the playoff. Every single team that was in there had an elite offense. Yeah, and top four scoring offenses in the NCAA. Yeah, right. and I would say most of those quarterbacks displayed the ability to run as, yeah. uh, as well. And so I just think this new air raid scheme that it looks like we might be going to, that seems to be more of the type of offense you need in the current landscape of college football to yeah. win to win those big-time games. Yeah. so I mean, you touched on it. Todd Munkin uh, hiring him from former Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator. But as a lot of people know, Freddie Kitchens called the shots there. He called the plays. So the the struggles on offense for the Browns was not on Munkin this year. Uh, Kitchens was the main proprietor in that. Um, But he was the former head coach at Southern Mississippi, uh, an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. Um, while he was at Oklahoma State in 2012, in one of the years he was the OC, they finished third in the NCAA in points per game with 39.9 and seventh in the country in passing yards with over 325 yards per game passing. Southern Mississippi, he finished as high as 13th in the country at a school like Southern Mississippi and averaging 329 yards per game in the air which was finished at 12th in the country in 2015. I mean, 
when you see the type of offensive production, especially when you look at his passing yards per game, um, even when you look at when he was in Tampa Bay, they finished as the number one passing offense in the NFL in 2017 um, with Jameis Winston. So, I mean, when you look at that, you have to be excited as a fan looking at the kind of numbers that he can bring. Definitely, and it's nice to see he didn't go in to great situations. He went into situations where those offenses were struggling, and then he made those successful offenses at, by the end of his tenure. So it wasn't like, yeah, he, he didn't step into a top 15 offense at uh, Southern Miss, and then they became 13th. It was like, no, they were in the triple digits. Yeah. So that, that's, that's definitely something to look forward to. So um, when you look at the, the weapons and the, the total offense he's going to have at his disposal next year, um, just starting up front, um, projected starters, probably going to be Xavier Truss, uh, redshirt freshman, four-star offensive tackle. Um, then you go from left to right, uh, Justin Schaefer, who played a pretty decent role on the 2017 team that ended up playing for the national championship. Uh, center, you're going to have incumbent Trey Hill, um, returning starter from last year. Did a pretty decent job, but could definitely improve on upon what he did. It's a tough position to learn, and it's not one that he'd ever played before, um, having played guard in high school. Um, he is going to have to really step up and be a leader. Mainly, he just has to work on lower snaps. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like he's pretty solid blockers. Like, hey, just get that football down. Yeah. Um, then you also have Ben Cleveland, who uh, it was announced today he would be returning for his senior year. So that's big. Um, they have a player like Ben coming back. He's done a lot for Georgia the last few years. So as long as he can stay academically eligible, uh, should have a pretty solid right guard center option. And then ultimately, finally, you have Jamari Salyer, who, who really, really played well in the Sugar Bowl win against Baylor, um, who showed what a lot of people thought he could do and slide out there to tackle and be a serviceable option for Georgia. So, I mean, who knows? You could even see him slide over to the left and flip-flop the tackles next year. But if he's the right tackle, I mean, we're in good hands. Yeah, and you're probably going to see some of those other guys uh, rotating in, I'm, I would imagine, pretty frequently. Yeah. I mean, it would it would surprise me if Ratledge didn't come in and get some playing time uh, yeah. early in the season uh, before agree. that Bama game. I'm sure there's probably going to be a lot of experimentation, uh, different combos, and I'm hoping by week three uh, when uh, that Bama game comes on that we've kind of settled upon uh, the best rotation that's going to give us the best chance to win. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, of course, when you have a Kirby Smart as your head coach, you recruit at a high level, the defense is always going to be one that is going to be top-notch in the country. Um, I'm pretty confident as long as we have Kirby as our head coach, we're going to be solidified as a top-10 defense nationally. Um, this year we finished first in the country in total scoring offense. I believe we finished fourth in uh, yards per game given up as a defense. Um, just looking ahead to next year, I, we could be even better. Um, the only noticeable losses you look at when you really look at the defense, obviously you have David Marshall. Um, you have Tay Crowder, who's a senior, who's going to be leaving. Um, but when you look at everybody else, you saw, unlike the Georgia offense, you see a lot of guys who wanted to come back for their senior year. Richard LeCount coming back. Eric Stokes coming back. Monty Rice wants coming back. Um, pair those with the young guys we have and Nolan Smith, Aziz Ojolari, Kobe Dean. When you have guys like that, I mean, 
it's going to lead to a pretty stacked defense next year. Yeah, I think Stokes coming back, I think that was the the one that excited me the most because I do feel like uh, he could have went to the NFL, and I think he uh, could have went in probably in the first three rounds. So that was a big surprise, uh, and that uh, that's great for our outlook. I will say that with the departures of like someone like Tay Crowder, nothing against him, but I do think – this maybe opens up a little bit more playing time for some of those young, talented guys. And I think that their maturation is going to lead to us having an even more special defense. I don't think that those departures are going to hurt us more. I think the jump that uh, Ojolari and Kobe and Nolan are going to make is probably going to lead to a better defense than what we saw last year. I agree. Um so, obviously, we don't have to touch much on the defense because you really know what it's going to be. Um, it's going to be a top-10 defense. It's going to be a top-5 defense. I mean, let's just be honest. So, I mean, when you look at enough, more additions that's going to be coming in, you have to look at the recruiting class. Another thing that's going to come with Kirby, he's a relentless recruiter. Um, closing another top-3 class, that's going to be the fourth in a row. Um, you look at some guys who could come in and make an immediate impact, um, just jumping off the page, you look at guys like Keely Ringo, uh, Darnell Washington, guys like that who can really come in right away and provide a big spark. Mikhail Sherman, um, like Austin said, Jermaine Burton and Marcus Rosemi um, as wide receivers. Another guy I really look at could project to be a day one player is Aaron Smith. Um, four, yeah, I, mean, I would agree. 10-2 guy, 100 meter at a high school in Florida. Um, one of the fast, he won the fastest uh, man at competition at the Under Armour All American game. Uh, could come in and play a big role for us, especially in the return game, is where I would really project to him play a lot, and eventually maybe even find himself into that Miko Hardman, uh, Isaiah McKenzie role in the slot. Something that we really, really lacked this year. If you look at the total scale of the offense, we really lacked that guy who could uh, beat people across the middle. Um, you, you could match up on a linebacker and have a mid, total mismatch. Um, that's what we were really missing is just guys who can work the middle of the field. Yeah, and I, I think Kendall Milton will come in and also get a little bit of playing time as well. I think Zeus is obviously going to be the, the starter there, and James Cook and Kenny McIntosh are going to get a lot of playing time as well. But Kendall Milton seems like he's going to be a big, strong, powerful back, and I'd be surprised if we didn't see him in some short yardage situations, even though Zeus is a – a power runner as well and I mean speaking on Zeus it will be exciting to see if in his second year after the ACL recovery if we see a more explosive and dynamic back because I do think he was been great this past year in getting those six and seven yard tough runs and we saw it in that Baylor game I felt like he was continually breaking tackles but it'll be exciting to see if we end up getting more explosive 50 and 60 yard runs from him uh, and he ends up being the back that we all expected him to be when he first came in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm he's hope- not – sorry sorry to interrupt you, but he's he's not Adrian Peterson. That's the only person I know of who ever got immediately – like it seemed like they got better the year after their ACL tear. Nick Chubb, it took two years for seeing what he's doing. Yeah. And maybe even three years because, I mean, this past year in the NFL, you saw it seemed like he took another jump, and some of that's just natural progression as a player. But a lot of that is also just – continued rehabilitation from an injury yeah definitely um i'm hoping for a big year for zeus um a big year for kenny mcintosh 
hopefully James Cook. Um, we're loaded at running back, and that's something that we I don't feel like we really appreciate enough. You know, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, when you have a stable of backs like we do, I mean, you can give one guy ten carries, one guy twelve carries, and one guy's always fresh, and that it's not talked about enough how much of a strain that can put on a defense when you continue to run out fresh bodies and just keep pounding them and pounding them and pounding them. And hopefully this year, um, when, if Georgia can open up the passing game a little bit, um, we can be a really dual-threat offense that can really, really hurt people in the air and on the ground. Yeah, and I think if that will also come with maybe just some more creativity in the run play calling. I mean, probably, Hopefully we'll see more runs out of the shotgun, more runs to the outside. In different ways to get dynamic backs into space. I, I mainly think of that when it in regards to James Cook. I think if we got him in space more often, that we could see uh, a big return on that. Obviously, I'm not a coach, and they they see practice Monday through Friday, so they're going to know better than me. But it just seems like when he does get on the field, when he gets uh, a lick of space, that he's gone. Yeah. So that's definitely something to look forward to in the future. Um, so when you really look at the SEC East as a whole. And just being active on social media, being active on Twitter, you, we see all the chatter. Um, Florida fans coming out of the woodwork after losing to us for the third year in a row. Tennessee fans who haven't scored more than 15 points on us since the Hail Mary fluke win in Athens in 2016. Um, they all think they're back. They see these Georgia people leaving early for the NFL, and they think they're going to make a run at the, uh, the SEC East next year. Uh, what what do you think when it really comes to the hierarchy in the SEC East? What's what's your opinion on that? Well, Florida does scare me a little bit. I do think Dan Mullen is a really great coach. Uh, I do think that Kirby does have the edge on him recruiting wise, but Dan Mullen is a really good coach and is, he's a really good offensive coach and he's really good at uh, helping quarterbacks mature. I feel like, but I do think that we're still going to be at the top of the East. I do think there's still a sizable gap between us and Florida. I agree. If you look, they did have a lot of guys leaving. They talk about us having a lot of guys leaving, but I feel like they had nearly just as much without as much incoming talent. Yeah. And when it comes to Tennessee, I do think that they're improving quickly. I do think Pruitt's a good coach. I do think that their offensive line is going to be nasty here in the next couple of years. And I do think that uh, their offense will improve a good bit. But – it just doesn't feel like it's quite there yet. It still yeah. feels like this is probably the last year I feel like where it's it feels like a guarantee yeah. uh, to me. I do feel like uh, after this after this year, it feels like that gap will maybe have closed completely. Because Florida has been seen has seemed like they're making incremental steps. Yeah. But overall, for Georgia, I I feel. This year with the the new offense and all the new pieces, the new scheme, I can really see it going either one of two ways. I I think we're either going to be one of the four teams in the playoff, or I don't even think we're going to win the East. I think it's either going to be us finishing second in the East behind Florida, and then and us maybe finishing right outside the top ten, or if everything gels perfectly, I think we're going to be one of the most explosive offenses in the country, and I think we're going to have probably a top five defense in the country. So it surprised me if it if we're somewhere in between there. It, it surprised me if this is the year that we win the East and then we win, uh, lose in the SEC championship again. I don't think we're going to have a year like that. I think it's either the playoffs or we don't even win the East. Well, 
I, I definitely agree with you when it comes to Georgia still being the top dog. I mean, as we said earlier, and I, I hit on it a little bit, and you really were the one that banged home the point, recruiting rankings do matter. Um, when you look at the talent that you're bringing in year in, year out, four years in a row, top three classes, um, ultimately you do have to coach them up, and I think Kirby Smart has done that and doesn't get enough of a, a really good – good reputation for having done that. Um, I do think Georgia's still the team to beat in the SEC East. You look at the games on our schedule that we could maybe slip up at in the SEC, obviously you have the Week 3 showdown at Alabama. That's a tough one. But when you look at Florida's, they have to play LSU. I mean, that's not going to be an easy game. I know LSU lost a lot. Um, You look at Tennessee, they have to play Alabama as well. Um, all the other tough games for Georgia, you really look at the schedule and we get them at home. Auburn's at home. Florida's neutral site. Tennessee's going to be at home. You look at those games and playing the games between the hedges and Sanford Stadium has to make an effect and has to lead you to feel a little bit better when it comes to those SEC games that could go either way. Obviously, you can't slip up against South Carolina. You can't fall, slip up against Kentucky, who could be a decent team this year. Um, but other than that, I mean, you look at Georgia this year, and the SEC East is still running through Athens. Those teams have improved. Florida should be a close game again this year. I could see it. I mean, I could see us blowing them out. They lost a lot. Not as much early entries to the draft, but that was a really veteran Florida team this year who are going to be losing a lot of seniors to the NFL. So, And then you look at Tennessee. They were a 7-8-5 and eight and five team, closed the year out with five straight wins, bowl win over Indiana. Um, pretty solid season when it, you see how they started the year, but ultimately they're still really young too. They lose their top two pass catchers in Antonio Callaway and Mark um, Juwan Jennings, or Marquez Callaway and Juwan Jennings. And then uh, they lose their top tackler, they're number one. They're starting safety, and they're probably going to be starting a freshman quarterback. And when you start a freshman quarterback in the SEC, it doesn't always lead to production. Sometimes you have guys that hit, when like a Jake Fromm, but when Jake Fromm, you he had an amazing team around him. Yeah, he, he didn't was ha- surrounded by a ton of talent. It wasn't necessarily yeah. him going out there and winning those games. Yeah, he didn't have to do much. So when you really look at the hierarchy for me. I definitely still think it's a year that Georgia's going to be controlling the East, going back to Atlanta, playing for another national championship, and I'm right there with you. It's playoff or bust, and I really expect Georgia to be right there in the thick of things again next December when the playoff rankings come out. So, Yeah, I mean, going kind of back on what you said, I do, I am, I'm not nervous about Virginia. Uh, I do think we'll beat them. Yeah. I am slightly nervous about that Kentucky game a little bit. I think Kentucky has a good football team, too. Yeah. So, uh, but other than that, like you said, Alabama, I think that one obviously definitely could lose that. But I really think our other tough games, if you're looking at Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn, like you said, we've got Auburn at home. We've got uh, we've got Florida at neutral site, and we're at Kentucky. But it's not. let's not act like Lexington's the toughest place in the world to play as far as a home field advantage. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's not like we're playing uh, in Auburn or anything like that. No, I agree. that We went in there two years ago with the chance for Kentucky to win the East for the first time in history. Uh, they were expected to have a crowd, and we beat them down in Lexington. So, Yeah, so in our, our out-of-conference schedule this year yeah. isn't, isn't bad. It's Virginia, 
ULM, ETSU, let's see, uh, in Tech. Georgia Tech. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we don't even really have to talk about that. No, so. we don't really need to talk. <laughs> we don't really need to touch on Georgia Tech. But, yeah, but, like, the SEC East is going to run through – Gonna so, run through with Athens. So, do again. you think that we're gonna? So, you think we're gonna win the East? Do you? Who do you think we're gonna be playing in the in the championship? Bama this year. You I think it'll be Alabama again. I think LSU had yeah. LSU losing Brady, losing their DC, having nine guys enter the draft early, and then also you look at the guys who they're gonna lose because they were just seniors and can't come back. LSU is gonna take a dip. I think they're recruiting at a high level. I don't think their offensive philosophy is going to change much because they did have Brady, and Brady was able to rub that philosophy off on other people. Um, yeah, and he didn't necessarily call their plays. No. He was just their, what was it, the passing, passing game, game coordinator. coordinator? Yeah, I'm sure he influenced things heavily. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure the guy who was there last year, who was the guy play, Steve, plays? Steve Ensminger. Yeah, so I'm sure that they're still going to have a, a similar yeah. philosophy. But when you have probably the best quarterback season in college football history and that guy's leaving i would expect a dip yeah so i mean i definitely i do think it'll be alabama georgia part three in atlanta uh i mean the game's still 11 months away and there's a whole season to be played and off season ahead so i wouldn't be ready to play make a prediction on anything yet yeah, obviously definitely. but yeah. I, I would like georgia's odds so let's just say that so how would you say you expect us to finish the season what what sort of record going into next year uh, I would ex. I mean, I'm expecting us to make the playoff. I would, I would project us to make the playoff, and but, so I mean, with that, I'd probably project us somewhere around thirteen, thirteen and two, thirteen. I mean, thirteen, fourteen and one. I mean, somewhere in there. If I mean, if we win the national championship, fourteen and one. But if we were to fall short, somewhere in that thirteen win range, another another great year, which has a chance to be really special. So. I really think that our only loss this season is going to be at uh, be at Bama. I really do, uh, and I think that's early enough to where that I'm not going to say it plays in our favor to lose, but it's not necessarily a detriment to lose super early in a college football season. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll have plenty of time to make up for it, and then it would probably be a rematch against Bama. And typically, it's hard to beat a team twice. So if we did lose to them early, I think it'd be uh, to our advantage to play them again, and then also. I think a lot of times the playoff committee does reward teams that did avenge their only loss. I agree. I agree. So just to, to close it out uh, with the Super Bowl coming up, don't know if we'll do another one of these before then. Um, we're all football fans here, so uh, just give me your pick. Who you, who you got in the Super Bowl? The big one. I'm going to say the, the Niners. Uh, I'm uh, cheering for the Chiefs, but... Uh, you just look all around on 49ers, just a complete team. I feel, that, yeah. I feel like it's been forever since I've seen that fast of a defense like, yeah. at all, all at all levels. That defensive line is crazy. Bosa just seems like he's in the backfield almost every single play. Yeah. And then uh, I think on offense they're very efficient, and I think you're always going to have that with Kyle Shanahan as your mm-hmm. coordinator. Uh, Jimmy G, what, he didn't even throw for 100 yards this past week. And, no. And was it most hard? It, He's been on how many yeah. different teams? Like yeah, five seven. or six? Yeah, seven. Seven different teams. So uh, I think Shanahan has the ability to kind of plug anybody in and make his scheme work. And I think Andy Reid is obviously an offensive like mastermind too. Yeah. But I just don't think there is a lead on the defensive side of the ball. I, I, will, I hope it's them, and I do think players like 
Mahomes can be transcendent and affect outcomes. Uh, mm-hmm. So I might talk myself. No, I'm going to stay with I'm going to stay with the 49ers, <laughs> and uh, I think Bosa is transcendent too. I really do. I think he's going to be probably the best defensive player in the league here in a couple of years. Yeah. So when I look at the game, I think I'm leaning more towards Kansas City. And honestly, I think it has a lot to do with the reasons we were talking about Georgia going into next year. I think Kansas City has one of those quick strike offenses that can just score in five plays and put a team right back there on offense. And San Fran is efficient on offense. I mean, if you look at the conversation we had about Georgia, it's kind of the same thing, except they they are a lot better um, at what they do. I think if Kansas City can load the box Um, they have been a pretty decent rush defense this year Um, if they can slow down and contain um, the Niners running game and Mostert Tevin Coleman and make Jimmy G have to beat him I would put my money on Patrick Mahomes making enough plays with Kelsey Sammy Watkins Miko uh, Robertson all those guys rather before I put it on Jimmy G so I would say right now the Chiefs in a closer game uh, yeah, I, def- I definitely think it's going to be close. I, I would I would probably lean somewhere in like the 28 to 24 range. A lot better than last year's Super Bowl. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly could see it even be one of the teams getting like more into the 30s. Uh, yeah. Just because I, I think it is hard to completely contain Kansas City's offense with how fast they score. But I think, you know, the 49ers could stifle them 10 times a game and or maybe not 10, but like seven or eight times a game, and then them still get close to 30 points just because of how quickly they can score. Yeah. Uh, it enables a lot more possessions. Yeah. So that's going to do it for episode one. Uh, we appreciate everyone who listens to this. Um, can't really put a timetable on how many of these we're going to do um, during the off season, but during the season we definitely want to make this a pretty regular occurrence. Um, yeah, probably just whenever – Big news comes out, yeah. I'd say, during the offseason. We'll get together every few weeks and just talk about everything that's happened with Georgia football. So um, for that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening.